Previously on Caustic Soda. Below the surface of the sea. Far, far below. In impenetrable darkness. At unimaginable pressure. Save your last breath to scream. And now, the conclusion. Let's talk about the blue hole in Dahab, Egypt. Okay. A submarine sinkhole. Oh, I thought it was Kevin's butt when it got cold outside. (laughs) The blue Uh, hole is a popular diving location on East Sinai, Uh a few kilometers north of Dahab, Egypt, on the coast of the Red Sea. I think it's pronounced Sinai. Sure. Uh Total depth is 460 feet. There is a shallow opening around six meters deep known as the Saddle. Okay. Which opens out to the sea and a 26-meter-long tunnel known as the Arch. A saddle and an arch? Which, whose, top th- whose top is at depth of 56 meters. That's 184 feet. That's far down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know some people who have uh, dived in the blue hole. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've done, I know some people that have done some training uh, down there. There's a lot of uh, deep diving training schools that operate out of there. Okay. Because uh, it's a really good spot to do. It's got the depths and it's got the really nice clear warm water and Sounds good. Apparently, so, it's gorgeous. So why are we talking about this? Because it sounds like the perfect place. It is also called the world's most dangerous dive site and has been nicknamed the Diver's Cemetery. Oh, the Diver's Cemetery. Ironically, there's a sign posted uh, next to the entry that says, Blue Hole, easy entry. Easy entry, <laughs> difficult exit. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a roast motel. Again, it's like Kevin's butt when it's cold out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can't those, are all, those are all true things. The, the cold has dulled the sensation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm... It's it's hard. It's it's difficult at the best of times, much less when it's cold. <laughs> it's also hard at the yeah. best of times. <laughs> Accidents happened as divers tried to find the tunnel through the reef, known mm-hmm. as the arch, connecting the blue hole and open water at about 170 feet depth. Mm-hmm. This is beyond the Professional Association of Diving Instructors' maximum advanced recreational diving limit of 98 feet. Okay. And the effect of nitrogen narcosis is significant at this depth. So to counteract it, you should have a bunch of martinis before you go, right? Is that how it works? <laughs> it's like you fight you fight kind with kind. This is, uh, you know. Homeopathy? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is the homeopathic solution to nitrogen narcosis. I don't think you understand homeopathy. Oh. Does anybody? Really? Well, mumbo jumbo. <laughs> yeah. um, th- what often happens is people get a bit of narcosis or getting narked, as, as, as they say. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, people figure it's like, oh, I can totally get through that arch. That just looks like it's right there. The problem is it, it actually – the light coming through from the open ocean is, is really bright. So it looks like it's just a little bit further. But it actually slopes down. Good news to slope down as it heads out towards the oh, sea. Okay. Um, people get down there. They realize they run out of air. And, and So this is the underwater version of going to Las Vegas because all the, <laughs> all the hotels in Vegas are so huge that when you see it, you go, oh, that's just like at the end of the block. Yes. And then you walk for 40 minutes and you're that. still not there yet. <laughs> yeah. right? there's, a, there's a couple of YouTube videos of people doing diving the arch on like a single tank of gas and the comment section is just all these other divers calling them idiots and uh, <laughs> it, it's not advised to do it people that do it have deep dive training they carry you know two three four tanks with them and uh, if you go on YouTube there's a ton of videos of there's a, a couple of bodies that are down there that people have never recovered. It's kind of like going up Everest, right? Like, oh. you know, they, yeah. There's one diver. It's kind of like a, a waypoint. People 
go down there, kind of pay their oh, respects right. to this, this. Oh, you get to the body. dead body. It's like a milestone. Yeah. It's like a marker. Yeah. Oh, it, they should put up a sign: "Do not go past this point." Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, uh, YouTube videos that that show this and show divers going under the arch. I mean, you can kind of get an idea of why it would be dangerous. Yeah, there's a famous and videotaped death in the blue hole uh, of Yuri Lipsky, mm-hmm. who was an Israeli Russian diver who died at 300 feet down. Uh, the victim of inexperience and lack of proper equipment. And that seems to be a common thread in a lot of diving, uh, recreational diving accidents, is mm. people diving past their skill limit and not having the proper equipment. The Egyptian authorities claim that 40 divers have died on this site since records began. Mm. However, many local dive guides believe that the authorities are deliberately underestimating the numbers and that there have actually been at least twice that many fatalities. To the blue hole! <laughs> Bend over, Kevin. Mm. In the history... In diving operations with air supplied from the surface, like the old-style hardhat divers, Uh the air from the compressor or pumps needs to be supplied from the surface. Okay. To counteract the pressure on the diver, the deeper they are, the higher the pressure the pump-slash-compressor needs to operate at. Got it. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So in 1783... Oh, so uh, how did they hook up their air compressor in 1783? The British warship Royal George sank in England's Portsmouth Harbor. In addition to claiming about 900 lives, she rested in a busy harbor in only 65 feet of water, and as such was a navigation hazard. In 1839... Oh, so wait, it, this was sunk? Yes. Ah, I see. In 1839, mm-hmm. the task of salvaging her fell to a colonel and the British royal engineers named William Charles Pasley. This has been here for 56 years too long. And he also invented that uh, wacky pattern that everybody loved in the 70s. Yes, Pasley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, he added the I in there to make it Paisley because he was like, I invented this. Yes, got it. <laughs> it wasn't I, Pasley. It was Paisley. Yeah. No, I, I, Paisley was uh, that little known Isaac Asimov novel. <laughs> An operation which is considered by many historians to be the birth of modern diving. Okay. Pasley selected, as his diving gear, the CB, S-I-E-B-E. It's a name. Improved dress. CB okay. improved dressed. Okay. That is basically what we recognize as the classic hard hat diving setup that we talked about earlier. Oh, so you're going to have to call it that on stage from now on. I guess so, oh. the CB improved dress. Yeah. Torn words dress on stage. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. This operation <laughs> gave us the first... Medical account of massive diver squeeze. Massive diver squeeze. He's a really big diver. Isn't that just like? <laughs> Listen, that's only because I'm not a diver. <laughs> it's just one of those hugs you get from an oversized lady that you kind of get halfway enveloped by it. Early diving helmets did not have non-return valves. This meant that if a hose was severed, the high-pressure air surrounding the diver rapidly and with incredible force uh-huh. evacuated the helmet. Oh. oh, yeah. Oh, no. I know what you're talking about now. Wait, mm. that, you don't want that to happen. No. Even at modest depth, the tremendous negative pressure created by the escaping air caused an extreme and often life-threatening squeeze on the diver. Okay. This is exactly what happened to Private John Williams. Quote, his face and neck were swollen and livid, his eyeball capillaries ruptured, and blood was flowing from his ears and mouth. Oh, come on. This was an English report. His face and neck were swollen and livid. His eyeball capillaries ruptured and blood was flowing from his ears and mouth. Mm, gruesome. Sounds a lot more gruesome when James Mason says it. Yeah. William survived, but he never returned to diving. Like he's describing it, but you can tell he kind of likes it. Yeah. <laughs> In extreme cases, the negative pressure caused by a severed air hose could actually suck flesh and soft tissues up <laughs> into the pipe. I need those. Well, how, how come all these 
air tubes are getting severed. Like, what is there like a, an air tube severing fish that's like f- following all these diving operations it's around? The, it's, that's it's that swordfish. <laughs> yeah, they go yeah. from all the cartoons. It's like all yeah. sawing everything that yeah. he sees. Right, that doesn't belong in the ocean environment. So, some pretty quick evolution. Yeah, well, I mean, they, like, they evolved the sword blade to cut it so that they could get at the divers and get at the juicy stuff right. inside the hard helmet. Maybe they should have made the hose out of something that wasn't so easily severed, so that their <laughs> that their small tissue didn't get sucked up into the hose. They didn't have Kevlar back in 1839. Well, that's something. So the pressure could suck flesh and soft tissue up into the pipe and much of the diver's body into the helmet. Oh, oh. Much of the diver's body into the helmet. Mm-hmm. Stories abound. I've seen those helmets. Bodies shouldn't fit in those helmets. <laughs> no. <laughs> Stories abound, in fact, among old-time commercial divers, where so much of a diver was sucked into his helmet that it was buried in place of a coffin. I always heard these stories growing up from like divers, and I always kind of thought it was hyperbole, but right. uh, it's not. Oh. There was a Mythbusters episode. We will post the link on com to this video. The episode is called Dumpster Diving. Uh-huh. They look into investigate what is seen as the myth, quote-unquote, of massive diver squeeze and its supposed ability to push a diver up into their helmet. They borrowed a hard hat diving rig. They construct a man out of pig carcasses, <laughs> which they dub Meat Man. Oh. Look oh. at this. Oh. And oh. They send him down to 300 feet, and then they open the check valve. And watch as the squeeze takes its toll. So it is something to see. It really is. Wow. And you're glad that it's not a real person. Yeah. Oh, man. Even though it's a dead pig, I kind of feel bad. And I would eat that pig. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they actually made a man out of meat. They actually got a skeleton, like a a teaching skeleton, (sighs) wrapped it in in flesh and put like liver and stomach and everything in there. They wanted to make it as realistic as possible. This is like a scene out of Scanners. Yeah, it's... (laughs) It is gr- like there is a diving <laughs> helmet full of viscera. And, yeah, it looks and blood like it's just full of pudding. Entrails. Yeah. Tor, tor, a new costume idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Can you make a face mask? A face mask that just holds meat in front of your I'll face. I'll just paint my face like entrails. <laughs> I got it. There you go. All right. 2005, David Shaw okay. was trying to recover the body of Dion Dreyer. Mm hmm. A South African diver who had died 10 years previously in Bushman's Hole. Why did you need to recover his body that was like was lost 10 years ago? Well, Left his keys on there. Diver, divers had <laughs> like looked for his body. And this is this is a really deep cave. It's like a vertical shaft that goes down like 1,000 feet. Okay. It's in the middle of like the desert, basically. Uh-huh. Um, almost 900 feet. Um, oh, is it almost 900 feet? Yeah. I can't remember the exact number. Well, he um, said almost 1,000, so 900 is not yeah, that that's far true. off. <laughs> that's true, comparatively <laughs> speaking. Yeah. So he was down on a world record attempt. He was trying to reach the bottom of, the, of this thing to get a world record. Dreyer was. No, no. Dreyer was Shaw a recreational was. diver. Shaw okay. was down there, and when he hit the bottom, he decided, I'm going to have a look around. And, you know, stumbled upon Dreyer's body. So he's like, well, I wonder if I could bring this up. So he tugged at it, found it was stuck in the mud, and decided, well, I probably shouldn't do this now. Stick to my dive plan. <laughs> right, okay. Right. And, and proceeded to go up, told people after his 12-hour decompression or whatever it right, was right. that he found found the body. And he decided he was going to make a second dive to go recover it. Okay. And, but yeah. to what end? Like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. You know? Well, I think, he, I think if you look at the articles, he actually talked to Dreyer's parents and asked, like, you know, I said, I would like to go recover his body if you would like it back. And they said, you know, sure, if you would be willing to do that, we'd be really grateful to you. Uh, so he went and, and did it. All right. Trying to be a good guy. Shaw ran into difficulties uh, when he cut loose Dreyer's harness and the body unexpectedly began to float. 
Shaw had been advised that the body would remain negatively buoyant because of the uh, visible parts were reduced to a skeleton. Okay. But within his wetsuit, Dreyer's corpse had experienced saponification. Who yep. remembers that word mm. from a previous episode? So when it uh, turns into the soapy... Uh, adipose. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was when you eat on it. You sup on it. You sup onification. <laughs> no, it turned uh, into a soap-like <laughs> substance called adipocere, which floats. Oh, okay. This is a really good indica- or illustration of one of the rules that they always say, plan your dive and you dive your plan. So if something goes awry, don't try and, and kind of overcome Alter. it there. Yeah. Right? Don't think on the fly. Immediately abort the dive. Right, because when you do something you're not planning, that's when bad things happen. Oh, I think I just got a spoiler. I the think li- uh, Jonathan just <laughs> dropped a spoiler bomb on us. The line from Dreyer's body bag apparently got tangled with Shaw's work light, and the physical effort of trying to free himself led to his death. Yeah, oh. he was diving over a breather, and if you're not breathing full and deep breaths, you're not cycling all that gas through the loop, so the carbon dioxide can build up, and then eventually you will uh, not get enough oxygen, and you can pass out. So he was like like just doing short, kind of sharp breaths. Yeah, like uh, shallow breaths, like exerting himself and, and concentrating on these little problems that are starting to creep up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And all for a pile of human soap. <laughs> yes, human soap. Because uh, he wanted to eat on it, evidently. The next day, both of the bodies floated up near the surface as the dive team was retrieving their equipment. Oh, ironic that he did end up bringing the body to the surface. He did end up bringing it to the surface, yeah. So, completed his mission, one negative, unfortunate side effect. The entire fatal dive was captured on Dave's custom helmet cam, and we will put that link to YouTube on com. Yeah. Yeah, good yeah, times. So much studied in the diving community, mm-hmm. this this dive. Uh, interestingly enough, one of his support divers got uh, isobaric counter-diffusion attack when he was coming up to do his decompression. And if he had lost that line, he would have basically tumbled out and ended up dying. Um, oh, so but he managed to call. just grab this thing, and he required... Like he was nauseous, throwing up for the next like seven hours while he was in the water decompressing, and had to go to a recompression chamber. He was vomiting in in the ocean in in, in this freshwater cave. Yeah, gross. Yeah. Don't go down there for a while, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Chumming the water. <laughs> All right, 1983, the Biford or Bifford Dolphin Diving Bell accident, November 1983 at 4 a.m. while drilling in the Frigg gas field in the Norwegian sector of the North Sea. I can't help but giggle at that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Four divers were in a decompression chamber system attached by a short passage called a trunk okay. to a diving bell on the Biford Dolphin drilling rig, being assisted by oh. two dive tenders. So the drilling rig is called the Biford the Dolphin. The Biford Dolphin. Okay. The four divers were Edwin Coward, Roy Lucas, Bjorn Giefer Bergson. <laughs> Ooh, that's probably a pretty good pronunciation of that. <laughs> and Truls Helvik. I'm uh-huh. sure we'll hear it's not. Yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> you needed to end it with Orski Borski, though. Yeah, true. <laughs> Hello, Norwegian soda jerks. <laughs> we actually got an email recently from we one know. of our Norwegian people who said, your accent is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and to that, I, to that I say, bork, bork, bork. <laughs> I think that was oh, Swedish. Oh, that's true. Oh, oh that's oh, even gosh. worse. Yeah. <laughs> now when we're in more trouble. Oh, God. How dare <laughs> you call Norwegian Swedish? <laughs> One diver was about to close the door between the chamber system and the trunk when the chamber explosively decompressed from a pressure of nine atmospheres wait, to one wait, atmosphere. What happened to cause explosive decompression? It doesn't say. Yeah, it doesn't say. Oh, it just... Explosive decompression. Yep. Just the uh, diving version of shit happens. In a fraction of a second, they went from nine atmospheres to one atmosphere. Hence the explosive part. Now, nine atmospheres is 33 feet, so that's the equivalent of like 300 feet uh-huh. deep. 
Or one atmosphere is 33 feet. So nine. Nine, feet. yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. In a matter of seconds. Yeah. A fraction of a second. One of the tenders, William Crammond, and all four of the divers were killed instantly. Okay. The other tender was severely injured. Mm-hmm. Helovic, being exposed to the highest pressure gradient, violently exploded due to the rapid and massive expansion of internal gases. Mm-hmm. All of his thoracic and abdominal organs and even his thoracic spine were ejected. What? Mm-hmm. As were all of his ejected limbs. Ejected to where? Not his body. Oh, God. well, well. you know what? When you have that kind of explosion, what is and isn't your body anymore? I mean, <laughs> maybe the thoracic vertebra is now the biggest section of your body. You are now left. one with the universe. Simultaneously, his remains were expelled through the narrow trunk opening left by the jammed chamber door less than two feet in diameter. Fragments of his body were found scattered around the rig. Uh-huh. One part was 30 feet directly above the chambers. The most conspicuous Good. finding of the autopsy was large amounts of fat in large arteries and veins and in the heart, as well as intravascular fat in organs, especially the liver. Because mm. bo- it got like the fat just got jammed into all the places it wasn't supposed to be jammed in. The boiling of the blood caused the blood cells designed to carry fat to lose their structural integrity. Thus, soluble oils in the blood were transformed into solid fatty deposits by the sudden pressure change. Yeah, the fat came out of solution. Yeah, it's yeah, fat's basically dissolved, but because yeah. in the same way that that the nitrogen has to come out, the fat came out and turned solid. It's like the fat yeah. bends. The yeah, fat bends. Fat bends. Ugh. Rigor mortis was unusually strong. Yeah. Well, oh, surprised they had enough surprise. to determine it. Yeah. Uh. yeah, all the organs showed large amounts of gas in the blood vessels, and scattered hemorrhages were found in soft tissues. The committee investigating the accident concluded that it was caused by human error and engineering failure. So that's uh, as, I guess that's as specific as they got. You want to uh. talk about shitty jobs? Byford <laughs> Dolphin Janitor. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we had an accident. Uh, everything's done. We need you to go in and clean up. Yeah, to take the pressure washer, head on down, sweep up Helvic. That's a Helvic of a job. <laughs> Whoa!
I stood up and walked away. Are you really so repulsive? That none of them wanted to play? Now you're sitting in the dark. Praying for a tender heart. That would surely be a start. Surely that would be a start. And what if her name was Shirley? What if Shirley was her name? I'm in need of someone, Shirley. Shirley, take away the pain. But before things ever started, you were living out the end. So angry that your heart's departed. And if she has just be friends! Stop and breathe. Stop and breathe. You gotta stop and breathe. Stop and breathe. You gotta stop and breathe. Stop and breathe. Stop and breathe. Stop. In the news. 2003, Brisbane. Mm-hmm. This may or may not be an accident. Here's my question. <laughs> if Wolfsbane fights off werewolves, what is a bris? Ooh. That they needed it to... It's a bris. <laughs> yeah, it's a bris. Oh, they're fighting <laughs> off brisses. Yeah. Oh, who knew they were so anti-Semitic? When he posed for an underwater holiday photo, the diver in the foreground of the photo, and we'll post this photo on CosmicSidePodcast.com, uh-huh. thought he would merely have a souvenir for the family album. Is he about to get impaled by a rhino, as per our rhino's episode? <laughs> Let's look at this photo. Let's uh-huh. find this photo. A, a swimming rhino. Because I remember our Rhino's episode. We had that photo of that girl like mere seconds before, before she, she just got charged. impaled. Is this, yeah. is this what's about to happen? She, this guy's about to get Rhino'd? No. Oh. In fact, it is a key piece of evidence in a deep sea murder mystery. Oh, I heard about this one. This is the dude who drowned his newlywed wife, right? Oh, spoiler alert. All right. <laughs> in the lower right of the photo is the body of a honeymooner, Tina Watson, who police believe was killed while diving by the man she just married. Yeah, And on the left in the photo is a diving instructor swimming desperately towards her in the hope of saving her life. The unidentified tourist and his friend who took the photo did not realize the drama they had captured with their underwater camera. It was only after the picture was processed they learned, learned of 26-year-old Ms. Watts, Mrs. Watson's death that they realized they had frozen a possible crime scene. 32-year-old American bubble wrap salesman. <laughs> oh. Wait. <laughs> bubble wrap salesman. Yes. Gabe yeah. Watson. And his bride had traveled from their home in Alabama to Australia for their honeymoon. Ten days later, she died 80 feet below the surface of Queensland Coral Sea after diving down to erect a boat off the city, the city of Townsville. Uh-huh. <laughs> we all know from oh, wow. Powerpuff Girls. Gabe Watson, a certified rescue di- diver, raised the alarm when he surfaced, saying his wife had got into difficulty in strong currents and had panicked. Worst rescue diver ever. Uh-huh. Yeah. He had claimed hundreds of thousands of dollars in compensation from a travel insurance company for the mental anguish he says he suffered after witnessing his wife's death. But U.S. police sent a warning email to insurers officially naming him as a murder suspect. Yeah. When the FBI and two Queensland detectives raided his home in April 2003, they seized his computer and other material. Issues of concern to investigating officers included the supposed malfunction of Mr. Watson's dive computer. Mm-hmm. He had given several differing reasons why he could not rescue his wife, all of which were contradictory with his qualifications as a rescue diver. Yeah. Mm. Police had also noted Mr. Watson's slow, quote unquote, rate of ascent when going for help and his statement that he had tried to communicate his distress to other divers underwater, including grabbing and shaking one of them, a claim not borne out by any of the many divers interviewed, including, it is believed, the one in this photo. I mean, when you're telling a story to police who are investigating you for potential murder... 
and none of your elements of your story are corroborated by any of the people that you say that you dealt with. That's a red flag. What's oh, that's a red semaphore flag in yeah. nautical yep. parlance. I should also point out that as a rescue diver, you're trained uh, how to remove an unconscious diver and bring them to the surface. So uh, he should have known what to do. Well, maybe he was just like a really bad rescue diver. <laughs> Obviously. There's that. <laughs> Update June 2009. Gabe Watson will spend just 12 months in jail. Watson pleaded guilty to man's laughter in a Brisbane court. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The coroner concluded that Watson held his wife underwater, turned the valve off on her cylinder until she suffocated, switched the air back on, and then let her sink to her death. The sentencing judge gave Watson a four-year sentence, which could be suspended after he served 12 months. The 23 days he had already spent in custody will be deducted from a sentence. How do you get four years for murder? I don't know. That's very confusing. Especially like even, that kind of murder. Like, yeah. it's not, yeah, it's turn off, watch her die. Mm. Points for originality, I suppose. I guess. But then update 2012. Oh, okay. Gabe Watson is charged with capital murder, which normally is punishable by death, but faces life in prison without parole if convicted because of a deal the state made years ago with Australian officials to guarantee his return to the U.S. Yeah. If you send him back to the U.S., we won't kill him, I guess, is the deal. Yeah. That's very, you know, Canada makes the same deals. Yeah. Another update, same year. Whoa. <laughs> lots of updates. A man accused of murdering his wife on their honeymoon and making it look like a scuba diving accident was acquitted after the judge in his trial threw out the case. Wow. Mm. Judge Tommy Nail issued his ruling before the defense had even presented its case. In the two-week-long trial of Gabe Watson and before jurors were given the case to deliberate. That is good jury duty. Mm. Uh The state evidence was sorely lacking, quote-unquote, and did not prove Mr. Watson had any financial motive, according to the judge in the trial in Birmingham, Alabama. Wow. Uh, Montre Carradine, a law professor in the University of Alabama, said the judge's decision to end the trial without the defense even presenting evidence was a serious indictment of the prosecutor's prosecution's case. Could they not submit his confession as evidence? I guess not. Hey, that, now I'm starting to think at least uh, the Australians gave him four years. So he had served 18 months in an Australian prison okay. after, after pleading guilty there to man's laughter charge involving negligence. So mm. that would be a diving accident in air quotes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're dating a 43-year-old American bubble wrap salesman named Gabe Watson, don't marry him. Or don't go diving with him. And don't go diving with mm-hmm. him. I, I guess that this is more like a uh, the diving accident was on her part Yeah. for going uh, diving with him. She always vet your dive buddies. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, uh, you should make sure that there's somebody close that you trust, you know, yeah. like your husband. Yeah. <laughs> Lifetime Network produced a made-for-TV movie, Fatal Honeymoon, uh-huh. uh, based on this incident, starring Harvey Keitel. Wow. Hmm. Huh. Premiered in uh, August 2012. If, you, if you're going to make a creepy dude kill his wife, yeah, Harvey Harvey's Keitel would a good be a choice. good choice. February 2014, Poor Nights Island, New Zealand. British expat Bruce Porter, 56, was on the diving trip with a group of friends from the Western Underwater Dive Club who chartered the 16.5 catamaran, 16.5 meter catamaran Pacific Hideaway, skippered mm-hmm. by owner Mark, Mark Barnes. Porter was killed in a horrific accident involving the propeller blades of the vessel. He had his face sliced off Ugh. when he tried to climb back aboard the boat. Wow. Like, so was the, the thing running? And then he tried to climb over it and missed? Or was it not running? He was climbing up it and somebody fired it up. I believe it was running. Yeah, it would have to. Uh, yeah. Mr. Porter was still alive as his companion Unless divers. he was swimming very fast. Mm. 
(laughs) (laughs) Mr. Porter was still alive as his companion divers managed to carry him aboard. His fellow divers already called the Coast Guard for assistance. Attempts to resuscitate him failed. Well, you know why? Because they had nothing to blow into with the uh, for the uh, (laughs) CPR. There was no face. A spokesperson for the diving club said Mr. Porter was an experienced diver. He was on water surface when the boat accident happened. This is what they call a live boat pickup in diving trips because some areas the current is really strong or there's hazards and you need to have the boat with its engine running come and pick up the divers. And it is more challenging than certain protocols usually in place. But uh, obviously, as you can see, accidents do happen. Yes, uh, slicing your face off is probably the last part of my head that I'd like to get sliced off. Skippers have to maintain a proper lookout and have to maneuver their vessel safely. This meant staying below five knots when within 50 meters of divers and within 200 meters of a vessel displaying a dive flag, he said, uh, said Mr. Porter from the dive club. But an accident like this could happen when you were going very, very slowly. Divers were also expected to keep a lookout and not surface close to boats. But I'm guessing they're picking him up. I Yeah, I'm not he sure what the details. too close to the propeller, and, obviously. And maybe a, maybe a wave spun the boat. Into him or something? Who knows? There's a yeah. lot of things that can happen. Christy mm-hmm. McCall, the English singer, she died in that fashion as well. She was on vacation diving and got hit by a speedboat. Oh. Oof. Yeah. <sighs> Days like this that I'm glad I just stay in my basement and play video <laughs> games. <laughs> oh, no, I died. Up, oh, respawn. <laughs> in the pop culture. I'd like to talk about how much I dislike Deep Star 6. Oh, yeah, what yeah. a terrible Star movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, I watched Deep Star 6 when it first came out in 1989 when I was, uh, you know, a uh, teenager. A wee baron. Uh-huh. And I remember liking it. So when, when Torn, when you suggested, hey, let's watch Deep Star 6 in anticipation of our diving accidents episodes, I was like... Oh, you know, that sounds like one that I could uh, I could use a reset on. Right, no. Duh, it is awful. What is the premise? It's about a underwater exploration, scientific, uh, the mining, you know, okay. put things down. Missiles. Mm. Oh, that's not what I thought it was about. To me, it seemed to be about a bunch of people who saw the abyss or heard that the abyss was coming <laughs> out and said, let's do our version of that, but cheaper and shittier. <laughs> Yeah, okay. That's probably a more accurate depiction That's of it. That's kind of what the movie is. Well, I know that writer Louis Abernathy sold his script at the same time that friend, James Cameron, was working on his own underwater monster saga, quote-unquote. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, despite Cameron's asking that he delay his movie to avoid competing with The Abyss, also in that same year, Abernathy went ahead and was thereby deemed persona non grata with Cameron and his associates until they patched together their friendship when Abernathy accompanied Cameron on the September 1995 filming of The Wreck of the Titanic. Obviously, Abernathy is trying to capitalize on the fact that Cameron's coming out with a similar movie at the exact same time, uh, and that's why he did it, uh, but... Cameron certainly should not have felt threatened <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. yeah. And no fact, competition. I kind of object to the fact that you suggested that we should watch this for diving accidents because the only thing that could really be deemed a diving accident is when this like hard suit is like coming back in and the monster, they pull him out of the water and the monster comes up underneath and bites him in half. Not true. Not Where's true. the other diving accident? Was that time when that really like ratty, wormy guy tries to escape in the escape pod? And he doesn't decompress. Oh, yeah. And he explosively decompresses on the way up. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you well, were, you were asleep a, during that part. Well, no, I wasn't counting that as a diving accident because he was in a pod. There yeah, is so much wrong with the diving in this movie. 
Oh, I don't uh, even know where to begin. Uh, I wasn't even looking at it from a technical perspective. I was thinking about acting and writing, yeah. and plot <laughs> and dialogue. It, I wasn't even bringing in the technical side of things. It is really telling when the best actor in your whole film is Greg Evigan from <laughs> BJ and the Bear. <laughs> he was decent. Yeah, no, I thought he was okay, mm-hmm. and then everybody else was just chewing scenery. Yeah, lots of accents. You're like, is that guy actually have that accent? Hey, where'd that accent go? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, then should we talk about The Abyss? Sure. Much better movie. Yeah. Mm. During underwater filming, Ed Harris almost drowned. Uh, while filming a scene where he had to hold his own breath at the bottom of the submerged set, Harris ran out of air and gave the signal for oxygen. Harris's safety diver got hung up on a cable and could not get to him. Another crew member gave Harris a regulator, but it was upside down, and that caused him to suck in water. Oh, that seems like a bad thing to do. Yeah. yeah. A cameraman came over, ripped the upside down regulator out, and gave him one in the correct orientation. Mm. No, there's, there's, if you watch the special edition DVD of this, there's a big like making of feature, which is really fascinating. And I would really recommend anybody watch it because the extent they went to to film this movie in the days before like really good CG and green screen right. yeah. it's unbelievable they, they flooded a nuclear uh, reactor cooling silo from a, a reactor that was never completed with water and had to add like ridiculous amounts of chlorine to keep algae from growing in it and right. Cameron spent so much time underwater uh, that he had to spend a long time decompressing and he, they had a special underwater monitor that he would sit there while his decompression stops and like watch the like the dailies, the dailies right. you yeah. know, mm-hmm. until like you know wee hours of the morning. We it's, talked about this on one of our other episodes. I can't remember which one it was, uh-huh. but we we had mentioned that everybody who worked on it hated it working on it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. And they had a bunch of nicknames for the movie. Yeah. That, oh yeah. That were not. And when so you're watching nice. the interviews on that making of, it's clear that some of the like the actors are just kind of gritting their teeth trying not to say anything bad about james cameron <laughs> I, it's it's really interesting he's apparently um, a real terror to work with now yeah. in the movie itself the navy seal guy you know the, the quote-unquote bad guy mm-hmm. uh at the very beginning as he's going down has high pressure nervous syndrome okay and he starts having the tremors and he's trying to hide it and that's mm-hmm, why yeah. he the, the way they talked about like the personality changes yeah that's so that's actually rooted in in diving science there we go going back and like seeing this i imagine like if this were shot 10 years later vigo mortensen would have been the bad guy <laughs> now i had heard that the reason i think did we talk about this the reason the ending of that movie was all messed up and quick that uh, because of the huge setup and the reactor and how how much trouble it was to film underwater that he that it was taking a long time and james cameron kept going over time and he kept getting harassed by the studio to just finish it up mm-hmm. And what I heard, I haven't confirmed this, but uh, he basically, they harassed him so much, he finally said, fine. And uh, they didn't build the huge set for the city. They didn't film the stuff at the end that he thought he would do. And he just had it all up here at the surface. And uh, they didn't have the bends. And they added in that line, uh, how can we, what's the matter? We should be decompressing. And one guy goes, they must have done something to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like to just, uh, no bends. Uh, because yeah. uh, fuck it, I'm ending this movie now. Yeah. Yeah, it's Deus Ex <laughs> yeah. I remember watching it at the time and thinking to myself, that seemed abrupt. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and I've heard that it was him just going, all right, fine. You're telling me I have to end it without spending more money? This is what you get. What about Big Blue? The Big Blue, the French movie? Yeah, from 1988 with Rosanna Arquette and Jean Reno, directed by Luc Besson. From oh, what I wow. understand, if the French had a national movie, this would pretty much be it. Yes, it was oh. very popular. It, it really France. ran for a long time. 
and other movies are measured against it. I played do, for over a year in theaters in France and was the most financially successful French movie of the 80s. I do like Luc Besson. It's a good film. I thought it was going to end like two-thirds of the way through. I was oh, like, it, I'm, it ready for this. I'm ready for this movie to end. It this seems long. like everything's wrapping up. It's and then it went atmospheric. on. And then it went on and on. Uh, it was good. Uh, but it, I felt it was too long. There was too much New Agey Dolphin stuff in it for me. There was a lot of yeah. New Agey Dolphin yeah. stuff in it. And uh, now this, we're talking about the prince, the prince of France, right? <laughs> yeah, we're finally talking yes, about finally. The... Yes, oh. absolutely. Come full circle. I, I like the movie. I recognize that it's not to everybody's taste. It is very long and drawn out. The film charts the competition and friendship of real life champ diving champions uh, Jacques Mayo and Enzo Mayorka. Mm-hmm. However, the divers were not close in age in real life and did not compete. The action is divided into two timelines, the nascent rivalry between the two divers as children and as adults, and their final competition at the World Freediving Champions in the Sicilian town of Tormina. Mm-hmm. The first part, which is very short, was like 10 minutes or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, is all in black and white, right. and their kids, uh-huh. the main characters, uh, Flashback, not, not Jean Reno, right. the other guy. Yeah. Uh, his dad dies. I wasn't quite sure how he died. He it, was a sponge diver, wasn't he? Yeah. And he was, like, chipping away at the rock, and then suddenly he died, and I wasn't sure what happened. Well, there's so many ways you can die. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that maybe he had smashed his helmet with his uh, little pickaxe, because he was using one of those old uh, you hard know, brass hard hat yeah. brass helmet things. Mm-hmm. So. I can't remember if it was actually detailed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they just might have shown it from his perspective, because, you know, all he knew was his father never came out of the water. Yeah. So that was one of the uh, the diving accidents mm-hmm. or the diving incidents. And mm-hmm. then later on, uh, spoiler alert, Jean Reno dies Oh, from going too deep, too fast, too far. Mm-hmm. Got it. Because of the competition. Got it. He was pushed to the limits. Meanwhile, Rosanna Arquette is all weepy and gets pregnant. Uh, that sounds about right. After he's dead? <laughs> oh, the whole movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she falls in love with uh, the not John Reno guy, oh, yeah. uh, not Enzo Jacques, uh-huh. who's very handsome. He's a very handsome man. Jean Reno is not. And I'm pretty sure that's the only reason that she falls for him, because otherwise he doesn't really do anything or say anything throughout the entire movie except for go hang out with dolphins. Got it. Which yeah. is actually one of the reasons that their relationship dissolves. Okay. Because... He chooses the dolphins over her. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's got a sting. Also watched... The Norwegian movie Diket. I have no idea how to pronounce that. Diket. Unlike you, I'm not going to attempt to try. <laughs> Is it about uh, little things you stick in computers? <laughs> That's Diket. Three and a half it's inch Diket. I just yeah. thought it was a, a Norwegian <laughs> pronunciation who, for that. Guy with a really small penis. He has a Diket. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, this is from 1989. Uh, is Norwegian for The Dive. Mm. I okay. really like this. Really? This was a great movie. Very okay. Hitchcockian. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. It's basically about two divers who go down. It's like they finished their job or wherever they were doing, but they get cal- get called in just about to go on the helicopter to leave. They're two days there's, away from retirement. <laughs> there's one, yeah. there's right. one more dive to do. They have to go down and check out there's something wrong with one of the oil rigs pipes. Yeah. They go down. There's all this netting. Mm-hmm. It's kind uh-huh. of drifting fishing net mm-hmm. in yeah. the area. One of the divers gets caught on it. The other diver has to come out of the diving bell and rescue him. Then the diving bell gets caught on that same stuff. Yeah. And so they're kind of underwater, running out of air. Yeah. Things are breaking. So it's a thriller kind of thing. Like, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Mm. It, right. it starts out like they're just going to do a bounce dive, you know, just quickly up, down, and back again. And then it turns into a decompression dive. And then all of a sudden, they 
spend too much time, it turns into a saturation dive. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. So you go through the whole. There's this one there. spot where one of the divers has to poke out. Burst, the other divers' burst, eyeballs. Burst eardrum. Oh! To poke out the eardrum of one of the other divers the with like some random thing that he finds on his There's Walkman. A wire from no, his Walkman. Yeah. 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 Um, because, to release the pressure. Because to release the pressure. <sighs> and oh, it's lo- lots of kind, of kind of moments like that. Yeah. Whoa, cringeworthy. Yeah, it's cringeworthy. And, and they have to send a diver down with scuba gear on to try and, and rehook up the crane to it because at one point they, like, the crane breaks and they, they're stuck yeah. on the bottom. And uh, that's what I talk about oxygen toxicity. They tell them you can't go down there breathing air. Right. Yeah. Right. So they try to bring it up a little shallower, but the, the cable fails or whatever. And he goes down and he manages to get the umbilical hooked up so they have, um, you know, fresh oxygen, water or, yeah. or warm water because these guys are wearing like these hot water right. suits. Yeah. Yeah. And they, were, uh, they, were, they were freezing today. They were freezing. Yeah. And he eventually has oxygen toxicity and, and seizes and, and passes out. So that's pretty accurate. Right. And you get to hear them with the, uh, with the helium mix. Talking like squeaky helium voices, Mickey Mouse's right, gay as yeah. well. Yeah. Always a good time. Good yeah. for comedy. When things nothing, get... nothing, nothing I like more in my thrillers than uh, funny voices. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When things get really bad, does one of them turn to the other and say, "I'm getting too old for this ship"? Oh. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, "I hope I don't go crazy." Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while standing in between a bear and her cub. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes, visit us on Facebook, tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. I'm Jenny May, and thanks for listening. I'm out of curiosity. What trait causes you to become a sudden Hitchcock fan at these levels? I take it back. I don't like your jokes anymore. There's a quality to them that is totally different when you when you experience them in person.